Welcome to our first episode of the Plant-Based Canada podcast. Join us as we talk with experts to explore the field of nutritional sciences and how our food choices impact our health and the environment. We sit down with doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, athletes, and climate experts to break down the evidence behind a whole foods plant-based diet and discuss the practical steps you can take in your effort to shift toward a healthier lifestyle. My name is Clint Stamatovich, and my co-host today is Stephanie Nishi. Today, we're joined by the co-founders of Plant-Based Canada, Dr. Zara Kassam and Michelle Fideli, to talk about their backgrounds and experience in plant-based nutrition, as well as what inspired them to start Plant-Based Canada. Dr. Zara Kassam is a radiation oncologist at the Stronach Regional Cancer Center in Newmarket, Ontario, and an assistant professor in the Department of Radiation Oncology at the University of Toronto. Zara is a certified lifestyle medicine physician with the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine. Michelle Videlli is a registered dietitian. She graduated from Ryerson University with a Bachelor of Science in Human Nutrition, then completed her dietetic internship at the University Health Network in Toronto. She has worked at the Stronach Regional Cancer Center in Newmarket, Ontario since 2010. Her clinical focus is on the importance of the role nutrition holds throughout the cancer trajectory. Zara and Michelle founded Plant-Based Canada together in 2019. started with a bit of background so listeners can get a better understanding of the plant-based Canada team. So Zara, let's start with you. What led you to plant-based nutrition and how do you incorporate what you've learned into your practice? Thank you so much, Clint and Stephanie, for hosting us today. It's so great to be with you all. I started on this path as an ethical vegan and as I educated myself more about that aspect, I came across this huge body of evidence of the impact that our nutrition has on our health and how nutrition plays a major role in all of our chronic diseases. I wasn't taught this as a medical student or in my specialty training and it really surprised me. So I continued to educate myself through university nutrition courses. I became certified in lifestyle medicine through the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. And through this all, it became absolutely clear to me that the optimal nutrition to reduce our incidence of chronic disease, to promote health, vitality and longevity, is a predominantly plant-based diet. One that is rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains and legumes and which minimizes animal food. The other wonderful aspect for me was finding that the nutrition that is best for individual health is also one that is best for planetary health and is in line with my ethics. For your second question about how I incorporate this into my practice, I 
believe it's so important that we relay the health aspects to our patients. It is estimated that about 40% of all cancers are due to our lifestyle choices, of which nutrition is a huge part, not only in the development of cancer, but also in how we do after a cancer diagnosis. So I do take time to speak to my patients about nutrition, about the other lifestyle factors as well. And this advice is supported by our major cancer institutions, um, including, of course, our current Canada Food Guide. Thank you so much, Zara. Michelle, how about you? What drove your interest in plant-based nutrition and how does it play into your work? Um, so my interest in plant-based nutrition started very early and on a very personal basis. Um, I was diagnosed with high cholesterol um, under the age of 10 and I was seeing a dietitian and learning about what would be helpful um, through nutrition management to manage my um, high cholesterol. And through my education with the dietitian, as well as my own um, love for nutrition and eventually led me to uh, study nutrition and become a registered dietitian. So I have been plant-based since I've been 12. Um, so it has been um, quite a long time. And my interest is um, how nutrition can be helpful in, uh, in helping your lifestyle as well as for children. And um, just like Zara, my area of, um, of, of my area of being a dietitian is oncology and uh, working with cancer patients through the whole trajectory and how much nutrition, especially plant-based, can play a role in helping them get through their treatment and, of course, um, through survivorship. So, Michelle, uh, Zara also mentioned the connection between food and cancer. I'm curious, during your, uh, your plant-based journey, when you were researching everything, what were some of the most surprising things uh, uh, you learned while educating yourself about this? So through my um, being part of, um, you know, studying oncology and how that plays with nutrition, that's been my whole role over the last almost 20 years um, of my nutrition um, profession is through oncology research and looking at how nutrition can be helpful. And I was so surprised um, that I think many of the patients are of what a huge role it can play in, in terms of how the patient themselves can be in control of how the outcome is of their treatment. And um, a lot of patients feel they have no control over the treatment because they're told what their radiation is going to be or their chemo and their medications. But nutrition can help them not only with symptoms um, management through their entire uh, treatment process, but can also give them a sense of uh, control over their whole um, journey during their tr cancer treatment by meaning they can control what they're eating they'll know that they're putting the best they can um, forth in terms of helping them get to treatment, make it through. I always tell them like treatment's like a marathon and you would never start a marathon without having proper nutrition. And they have to think of this journey for them as a way to help them make whole lifestyle changes. And what was surprising for me too is that how many patients took on this plant-based, but also it influenced their family, which is so great for other family members and especially those patients who have children, it helps to educate them. So it was amazing to me that the power of that one patient can help, help their whole family. So it sounds like plant-based practices have really have an impact 
um, have really had an impact for you. And it sounded like that for Zara as well. And I know that you're both health professionals, but how did you two actually meet and what led to both of you co-founding Plant-Based Canada? Well, Michelle and I have worked together for, <clears throat> for about 10 years now. And uh, on my journey, you know, to becoming plant-based, I was going through this, but Michelle had already been plant-based for um, two decades or so prior to that. And coming across Michelle, and there really are not many plant-based health professionals in my circle. And to come across Michelle, I, I was just so overjoyed. And I think I just threw myself at her. And uh, we just started talking. And um, as uh, the time went on, we realized that our, our colleagues and the public were just not educated in this area. And that was something we felt that we could contribute to. And we therefore decided to to form Plant-Based Canada to provide that platform to provide educational activities. And for myself, I'm hugely influenced by my family and by my sister, Dr. Shireen Kassam, who founded Plant-Based Health Professionals UK. And uh, having gone to her first conference in Plant-Based Nutrition in the UK, I came back to Michelle and I said, right, this is our time now. We've got to get going and do it. And that's how Plant-Based Canada came about. And organically we grew this amazing team around us uh, who are wonderful and give us uh, their time for free and we're so grateful for that because without them none of this would be possible. Thank you very much Zara and Michelle was there anything about your meeting with Zara and that time before Plant-Based Canada came to be that stands out to you? Well just like Zara mentioned we've been together for almost like 10 years now going on 11 and what really uh, drew me to Zara, so many things. However, in terms of plant-based nutrition, um, just like Zara mentioned, most of our colleagues, are in, and especially our physician colleagues um, within the area of oncology, don't really feel comfortable with nutrition or speaking about nutrition to their patients. Um, not because they don't want to, it's just that they didn't have the education or they don't um, have the comfort level that a dietitian would. So it was so great to find a, a physician that I work with that does feel comfortable and has such great knowledge about nutrition and can really um, help the patients um, see the importance of it. Because, you know, as much as I'm a health professional in nutrition, the patients really lean to the physicians for direction. And I think having more physicians feel more comfortable with nutrition, especially plant-based, and there's so much research to support, uh, especially in oncology, how much plant-based nutrition can help, um, not only with prevention, but through survivorship. Um, so it drew me to Zara because she felt the same passion like I do for nutrition and how much like what we eat and what we buy and how we cook it can really make such a huge difference in uh, people's lives. So it sounds like the both of you, one of your biggest priorities is educating not only your patients, friends, and family, but also um, getting a lot of this information to uh, your colleagues and other health professionals. Can you speak a little more about what are some of the other hopes and goals that you have for uh, Plant-Based Canada? Zara, why don't we start with you? So as you've said, you know, the main objective uh, of Plant-Based Canada is to provide education in the evidence-based benefits of plant-based nutrition for individual health and for planetary health, um, as well as the well-being of uh, all its inhabitants. 
And we unfortunately are in the midst of an epidemic of chronic disease. We're in the midst of a planetary disaster with our climate change and destruction of habitat and biodiversity loss. And all of that, of course, is interconnected. Um, and, and that's the amazing thing that individual health, planetary health and animal justice are uh, all interconnected. And it's become clear to me that you cannot have individual health unless you address the other two pieces, unless you address planetary health and the way we treat animals in our food system. Um, you know, one example, of course, is we're in the midst of this pandemic because of our, our food system. And we are unfortunately only going to be in a situation where we're going to have more pandemics given the uh, animal industrial complex that we um, have at the moment. So, you know, the goals of Plant-Based Canada is to provide education on all of these aspects and the interconnectedness of it. We want to educate the public, the health professionals, as you've mentioned. We want it to be accessible, um, accessible financially, because there are plant-based nutrition courses around the world, but they're hugely expensive. They're not here in Canada. So we want to put those educational opportunities here for our Canadian uh, community. We want to make it accessible and um, we want to highlight our Canadian expertise because there is actually a, a growing number of healthcare professionals who are recognizing the importance of plant-based nutrition and lifestyle measures and um, we are, you know, every every month, every week, finding out people who are in this circle, and we want to highlight them, highlight their expertise, um, and we want to uh, give them an opportunity to network so that we can become stronger as well. Michelle, did you want to add to that? For sure. Just like um, Zara mentioned, you know, providing education and especially to healthcare professionals that are that is evidence based is what will have weight and what will be help with um, them seeing the, um, the evidence, you know, that's out there that helps patients, not only with cancer, but with other chronic diseases like heart disease, uh, for example, diabetes. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, but, and also like Zara mentioned about accessibility in terms of cost, I think as a dietitian, what I often come across is patients feel that eating healthy is unattainable financially for them, that it's complicated, that it takes too long, that they only have to spend a lot of money on organic things and can't make this work for their family. Um, so I feel lucky in the fact that I'm able to help them understand and see that financially it can actually be better and cheaper than, than purchasing um, animal products. But also there's a way that um, you can make food that lasts like long time and make batch cooking and, and experiment with new flavors. So I think in terms of education, it can go a long way, not only with the evidence-based research, but also through the day-to-day, -day, how to make things more accessible for um, everyone. Both of you talked about these lifestyle factors and which provides a great segue to our next question. So we were wondering if you could speak more about lifestyle medicine and what you believe are the tenets of a healthy lifestyle. Uh, Zara, if you could start us off. So as you've said, our lifestyle significantly affects our health. And uh, Michelle has uh, mentioned this as well, that um, it's not just cancer where we treat, but um, according to the World Health Organization, 80% of heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes um, could be prevented. And um, 
could be prevented primarily with lifestyle interventions. And lifestyle medicine is one of the fastest growing healthcare fields globally, recognized in the peer review literature and recent publications. It is the use of a whole food, plant predominant dietary lifestyle, regular physical activity, restorative sleep, stress management, avoidance of risky substances, and positive social connection, and the use of these six tenants as the primary therapeutic modality for treatment, and in some cases, reversal of chronic disease, and of course, in the prevention of, this, um, of our chronic diseases. And the great thing is that lifestyle medicine addresses the root cause of disease to improve our health and also to improve the cost. You know, our healthcare system, or rather our sick care system, just cannot, um, cannot handle the costs and the epidemic of chronic disease that we're in at the moment. And Michelle has already mentioned this piece that lifestyle medicine empowers patients to take control of their own health outcomes, which is great. You don't give over your power to the healthcare uh, team only, but you take part in, in your um, health outcomes, which is wonderful. And as I've mentioned already, you know, there's a number of health professionals in, in Canada who are becoming certified in lifestyle medicine through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, which is the flagship of this specialty and the Global Alliance of Lifestyle Medicine. So I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's good things happening and hopefully uh, we can make things better as we move forward. And Michelle, how about yourself? Do you, what do you believe are the tenets of a healthy lifestyle? Um, that's a great question, Stephanie. And, you know, just like Zara mentioned, it's, it's a whole encompass, a whole holistic approach. And I think what's great with the lifestyle medicine uh, movement, I guess I can say, is that when I first started in dietetics, um, it was very much of treatment and not so much prevention. Um, occasionally patients would be asked to go to the diabetes center for education or here, why don't you see a dietitian? But it wasn't in the forefront. And I think it was more people were getting diagnosed and then we'll deal with the issues. But I think lifestyle medicine gives an opportunity to intervene before anything can happen and provide education. And um, just as Zara has mentioned, but you know, besides, of course, regular activity, which is extremely important, and um, the Canadian activity guidelines recommend at least 150 minutes of physical activity for the week, um, but also healthy nutrition. But I think stress and stress management is a huge, um, a huge area where I think we need to spend a lot more focus on. I think through my experience, through meeting with patients during their cancer treatment, it appears like so many of them prior to their diagnosis, they were undergoing some sort of stress in their life whether it would be uh, personal issues, financial, job. Um, and it's amazing how what was extremely surprising to me is that when they got diagnosed, of course, it's a shock for them. But once they begin treatment, they kind of start to see that this diagnosis helps them put things in perspective for their life. They start to eat better, sleep better, um, manage their stress. I mean, you know, you know, obviously stress is always going to be there. That can never go away, but it's how we manage it. And it's amazing how all these lifestyle approaches that the patients really are craving when they're with us in the cancer center um, makes such a difference through their whole treatment. It actually helps them get through it with clarity, uh, with calmness, 
um, and with a, a direction of vision for moving forward in survivorship and and spending more quality time with friends and family and educating them too as well. So I'm just beyond excited that lifestyle medicine is becoming such in the forefront with physicians. So speaking of your patients, especially, and teaching them lifestyle medicine and, and discussing the importance of um, good sleep, stress management, things like that, um, Michelle, as a, as a registered dietitian, um, even if people want to learn all this stuff, sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of growing pains when you're trying to teach someone the right way to uh, manage stress or eat or about diet. So what are some of the most common questions that you hear as a dietitian? Yeah, Clint, exactly. So it, it seems like my, on my first assessment with my first meeting with the patient, I spend half my time like demything some of the things that they already see online, because we all know if we type in nutrition and cancer, nutrition and, and diabetes, everything gets thrown at the patient. And unfortunately, a lot of it is not true or misconstrued and not evidence-based. Um, so I spend a lot of time with my patients, educating them also on how to be um, their own investigator on how to understand what's evidence-based, what's not. So um, that brings a lot of clarity because and not only are they looking online, friends and family, of course, with well wishing, tend to bombard them with a whole bunch of things that um, are not true. And, and I think the things that I hear a lot is that more is more and more is better, especially with taking vitamins or um, taking extra like um, naturopathic medicines that may interfere with treatment, but they think it's good because, you know, and, you know, Judy over there took it and she was fine. And, so it really gives me the opportunity to teach them about how much nutrition can play a role. And if you eat properly and I help them plan out their meals, you don't need to take a whole bunch of extra vitamins um, and try to buy all these potions to think more is more and everything's going to be um, quick and done with one pill, um, demything things and, and bringing light to them about the power of just natural whole foods. Zara, did you want to add to that at all? Are there any uh, common misconceptions you get all the time or myths? Uh, absolutely. I'd echo everything Michelle said. Um, the biggest question from our patients is, you know, what, what should I eat? Um, and amongst all that, there's the, the soy myth that uh, we are talking about that every day, that soy promotes breast cancer when it, in fact it's completely the opposite. So I think um, the key takeaway maybe is that our patients do show us that they don't have that education and uh, similarly with our, our colleagues they don't have that education to be able to correct some of these myths or feel comfortable to do so. This is a point that has come up multiple times. Um, Michelle you explicitly said evidence-based which I feel is such an important concept and I know that on the web, the Plant-Based Canada website and Instagram pages. That's something that's very important to the team. And Clint has done some really well-received articles on that front. Um, but I was wondering, what's next for Plant-Based Canada within this realm and elsewhere? And Zara, could you start us off by telling us a little bit more about what to expect in the future? Thank you, Stephanie, for highlighting uh, the aspect of evidence base that really is very important to us and 
the great thing is that there is really so much evidence out there and our educational activities are going to continue into 2021. Um, this podcast is, is one of those. We are going to be holding our second plant-based nutrition conference. Uh, that will be a virtual summit due to COVID, but we're hoping to hold that in June 2021. And uh, as we move forward, hopefully we'll be able to share some exciting new collaborations that we have on the horizon as well. And Michelle, how about yourself? What are your thoughts for the future of Plant-Based Canada? And is there anything that you'd like to highlight or that you would like the listeners to know of? Well, um, just like Zara mentioning yourself, I want our listeners to know that when they come to our website or our Instagram or Facebook page or our YouTube channel, they're getting evidence-based information um, that's reputable, um, that they can trust, and I can, they can ask us questions and, and we will respond and we have a great team. And, and as you mentioned, Clint does amazing articles and reviews of them, which is so helpful to help break down the latest news for our, um, our readers and our listeners. Um, and in terms of moving forward plant-based, you know, I think what we can do is endless. And I know Zara always laughs that I have these grander ideas about <laughs> things that I want to do. But I think, you know, together with all of us, like our great team, we have um, a great wealth of knowledge that we can move things forward and create this um, movement that's that is here, the plant-based movement and lifestyle medicine and education's there. But I think we can bring it to the, the forefront and uh, definitely bring on a lot of healthcare professionals on board um, that can maybe turn to us as the leading um, body of evidence to help them in their um, practices. So I hope that in the future, other physicians and practitioners alike can feel confident to reach out to us and um, we'll be more than happy to help them with their journey into plant-based medicine. Thank you so much, Sarah and Michelle, for joining Clint and I. We really enjoyed getting the opportunity to speak with you more about Plant-Based Canada. Thank you so much and thank you to you both um, for doing this with us and being on this journey. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I, I love being part of this amazing group and look forward to our interactions all the time. And I can't wait to see what 2021 and beyond brings us. This episode was hosted by Clint Stamatovich and Stephanie Nishi. This podcast featured royalty-free music from binsound.com. A very special thanks to our guests, Zara Kassam and Michelle Fideli, for speaking with us and sharing their insights. And of course, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out our next podcast in two weeks where we explore the link between our food and the environment. The Plant-Based Canada podcast is an initiative of the group Plant-Based Canada, which aims to educate the public and health professionals on the evidence-based benefits of plant-based whole food nutrition for individual and planetary health. To learn more about the show, visit our website, www.plantbasedcanada.org, and stay up to date by following us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, at Plant-Based Canada. Also, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts.